Welcome to the 46th episode of the Turf Talk Young Turfs podcast, powered by Viner Forgates. This is your host, Mason the Intern Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And this week's episode is presented by Watercrafters. Watercrafters in Gaithersburg, Maryland, has been providing swimming pool services and supplies in the Montgomery County area for the past 35 years. Watercrafters' highly skilled service staff can open and close your pool, as well as provide new equipment installations, repairs, and weekly service. The Gaithersburg Retail Showroom has everything for your swimming pool, including chemicals, parts, and fun accessories. Visit the Watercrafters Retail Showroom in the Gaithersburg Air Park or online at www.watercrafters.com. Jordan, what's on the Terrapin Rundown for this week? Well, on uh, starting off on a lighter note, former Tr- Jake Lehman got engaged this week. Hey, you know what? Good for him. And I hope he keeps. I hope he makes it to the court in Portland finally. Rising senior Ludfa Farney, one of the 17 amateurs in the women's British Open, but she did place last out of all of them. Hey, I'll take it. International tournament like the British Open. It's good to see a turp in there. I mean, Maryland golf's been on the rise for the past few years, but they've never had really anyone like this that can make it into such a major as a British Open. I'll take your word for it. I Maryland golf is not my specialty. Neither is it mine, but I've been, you know, seeing them getting into the rankings, getting some really good players, especially on the women's side. So this is good to see. Maryland's administration continues to shake up. Colleen Sorum is now the new Maryland Deputy Athletic Director. She has had quite a career already with a great run at Towson before being pulled into the Terps. Hey, I, I really like this hire. Yeah, someone who's been on the rise started lower than she was at Towson at Maryland. She's gotten multiple promotions now she's up to the WDAD that's good to see Justin Jackson not likely to sign with the Magic as the team has now filled all 15 of its roster spots this is a real disappointing thing especially for a second round draft pick he's basically an undrafted free agent now yeah pretty much he's in that pool gonna try and find a G League deal or he's off to Europe that's a real bummer to see and he was replaced by a Dukie and Emil Jefferson of all things you know always taking L's to Duke Never stopped. On the plus side of signings, Mason's guy got his deal. Yeah, Stefan Diggs, five-year, $72 million extension with $40 million guaranteed. But the contract, if everything goes right for the Vikings, will range upwards of $81 million. Everything goes right means a lot. It's probably a lot of all-pro berths and stuff like that. But hey, it's great to see Stefan getting paid. Personally, I think it's a bit of an overpay. But hey, that's why I'm not signing the contracts. Maryland basketball... Trip to Italy schedule has been announced. They will be making stops in Rome, Florence, Venice, and Como. And they play a tough schedule with the Rome All-Stars on the 6th, the Pisa All-Stars, which is weird because we're not going to Pisa, on the 8th, and even weirder, the Netherlands National B team on the 11th, which is weird because they're not going to the Netherlands. Hey, these teams get together for these tournaments. That's kind of how they run these days. Hey, at least Mark Turgeon won't be able to say that we got steamrolled by a team who had the advantage of international play this time. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one way to look at it. It also gives the freshmen a good chance to get ready. It's just a good thing for Maryland basketball. It gives the team a chance to gel, get some chemistry going, but the chemistry may have already taken a hit since one of the players, as we all know, has taken flight. Yeah, Schneider Herod has left the program after coming at the beginning of the second semester last year. He will never touch the floor in a Maryland jersey. The former Mississippi State Center was reported to have left the university by Jeff Ehrman to pursue a professional career. 
Well, I'll just say he should take he should go with the team to Italy because he's probably not coming back if he does. This is a um frankly it's a blindsiding move for everybody involved. Yeah, apparently there were some reports that the coaches were kind of blindsided by it. Everyone was a little shaken up by it, but he wouldn't have been eligible to till the second semester and he has been called a six. Now, for those who don't know, basketball has five positions. A six is a term that the Mississippi State coach made up to describe a center who is not mobile enough. Yeah, so not a very mobile center, but Maryland still could have really used him this year. Now Ivan Bender at center, Joshua Tomajic at center, who, who's going who's gonna to fill that role? Well, that's kind of remains to be seen, but you'd have to assume it would be Bender. But even he doesn't have the size or the weight for it, especially in the Big Ten. And he's also still recovering from his torn meniscus from last year. Yeah, so some question marks there. Moving on with basketball, they released their full non-conference slate, starting off on October 30th with a matchup against Lynn University from Boca Raton. Basketball always manages to steal the spotlight around here, don't they? Yeah, they do. And, you know, I really kind of like the schedule. A lot of local games. You get into that first real regular season game on November 6th against the Delaware Blue Hens. Then on to the Veterans Classic on November 9th at the Naval Academy, where they will take on the midshipmen. Now, I appreciate they're playing Navy. I appreciate the local Crab Bowl game. However, the other game is Wichita State versus Providence. I think we'd all would rather played one of those two teams. It's a tournament at Navy, so Navy's going to play a game there. Then I we- understand that, but why do we have to play Navy? Why can't we play Wichita State? They're going to be number maybe five. Ne- maybe next year we'll be in the rotation. Moving on to November 12th, the Terps will take on North Carolina A&T. The 16th, Hofstra. The 18th, Mount St. Mary's. The 23rd, Marshall. And then to our next big game, on November 28th, the ACC Big Ten Challenge against Virginia. Now, counting the next game, which is Loyola Chicago, that is four tournament qualifying teams in a row. Yes, one of them is Mount St. Mary's, but hey, it's not horrible. Virginia is going to be a tough one. Yeah, they're going to try and, of course, as always, keep it low scoring, run that pack on defense, and maybe Maryland, with the depth this year, will have a better chance. Look, their pace and space pack line scheme is poison to Mark Turgeon, who is famous for his complex, let's call it, offensive schemes. It's it's just, it plays right into Virginia's hands. We're going to lose this game like 40 to 55 or something. Probably. That, that's quite an accurate score. The next game, of course, in Baltimore at Royal Farms Arena against Loyola Chicago. Loyola Chicago, they're going to be good next year. I expect them to be ranked going into the season. This could be a top 25 matchup in Royal Farms Arena, and we have some fond memories of Royal Farms Arena. Specifically, do you remember two years ago now, three years ago now, excuse me, when you played Princeton at Rofa, do you remember what they showed in the Jumbotron that day, Mason? Yeah, so Maryland's taking on Princeton. And they just start showing this guy, this big fat dude, dancing with his shirt off, waving his shirt over the head constantly. Like, every time outbreak, they're showing this guy dancing without his shirt on. And then, sold-out stadium, like 12, 10, whatever, thousands of people in there, you keep on showing a guy dancing with his shirt off. Like, come, come on, so, someone, someone, please, please change that. Like... But it did make the, the arena memorable. Well, the mem- arena's memorable for all the wrong reasons. But I want to say this. If fat guy who danced with his shirt off, if you were there and you remembered it, contact us 
because we would love to meet you and figure out how you got that confidence. Yeah, I could use that, I guess. <laughs> Maryland will then move on to playing Loyola of Baltimore, Maryland on December 11th. Then on the 22nd, the next big game in the final of this non-conference slate, Seton Hall. So we play back-to-back Loyola's, which will be confusing, I'm sure. I just already can hear us messing that up. But the Seton Hall game featuring who, in my opinion, should be one of Maryland's top coaching candidates if we start looking, and Kevin Willard. They made the tournament four years in a row now, and that is a game that we need to put red-hot upset alert on, which I don't know if that'd be an upset, really. I don't think it is. I feel like it's pretty evenly matched. You know, you're talking about Seton Hall, a team that came from down the commode to being in four straight NCAA tournaments. Really great up uprising story, and they just got to find a way not to get knocked out in the first two rounds now. Well, for us, they are going to play. They're a very good college team. They play with a lot of pace. They control the clock well, and they have some great shooters. I don't know. Just I think if we manage to beat Loyola Chicago and maybe slip in a Virginia win somehow, some way, they could really rain your parade. Yeah, they could, but I really don't see it. I feel like the Pirates are going to come into Maryland in front of what should be a good environment at Xfinity Center, and the Terps will prevail. Radford, of course, the last game on this slate. Something that we should mention about Seton Hall game real quick is that's the back end of our 11-game exam break. So that's another factor that could play in. 11-day, not 11-game. Sorry, 11-day exam break. So that could play into possible... Could come out a little bit rusty, and that's a bad game to come out rusty against. Yeah, just some notes on the schedule. Definitely much better looking than last year. Oh, absolutely. There's like there's three or four games on here that I actually want to see. A lot of local teams on the schedule should bring some nice road crowds to Xfinity. The key games, of course, UVA, Loyola, Chicago, Seton Hall, and then 20, 20 conference games. That's a bit much. Um, something I want to say before we move on to the conference absurd amount of games is I really, really want to play UMBC this year. For Yeah, once. so do I. I want to play them at, I believe it's still called the Rack, new, the new arena at UMBC, Jordan. Well, I got a chance to go out there on its opening day. Really nice stadium, and it would have been packed if Maryland played them. Yeah, and I really think they would have earned it at this point. I really just wanted to play them, though. Here, I, mean, I would have preferred there, but even playing them here after such a great story for them, it's kind of a bummer to me. I, I finally wanted to play them, and then we don't play them. Yeah, it's, it seemed like that that kind of story, but, you know, we played them last year, and we're kind of in a rotation of the teams around here. So, yeah, the 20, not conf- sorry, the 20 conference games, that is what we call a problem to me. Hey, the Big Ten, they want to try something new. They want to be in the forefront of scheduling innovation, as weird as that sounds. So they're going to give this a try, and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but it probably won't. But why did they try this? That means that two-thirds of the schedule are dedicated to conference games now, and that sucks, honestly, because even if you're, if you're Steve Alford at UCLA and you're an aggressive scheduling coach— if you're playing 20 conference games, even you're going to say, well, geez, I can only play two or three good non-conference games now because I want a chance to break the team in. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of where we are at this point. The conferences have taken over completely. And you're at that point where, you know, you just got to do it. No, you don't. You can I, 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 okay, okay, let me go back. I don't agree with it. I, I really don't like it. It's tough. The Big Ten refs don't really call the games quite nice. But for Maryland, it's good. Just because Turgeon doesn't really like scheduling, this kind of forces you to have a tougher schedule. 
get some games out there for the tournament. But it makes Maryland's 12-game slate not even look that bad. No, relatively speaking, it's not anymore. But I, even though I never saw this, I long for the days of the 16-day ACC schedule where you had half the games as non-conference because it made it exciting because Texas might play you one day or, I don't know, some other Washington might play you. Just teams that you wouldn't normally see that make it exciting to play them because if you play, let's just say you played Iowa, it was a big deal because Iowa never played us. But now, like, I don't want to see Northwestern for the 20th season in a row. It's just not exciting anymore. Yeah, and I feel like that kind of does it for that till we get the actual conference slate and get the dates and can complain about it more. So I, I'm just going to predict. We're going to beat, like, I don't know, we're going to beat, we're going to win our fifth straight game against Minnesota or something. And we're going to be hyped up, and then we're like, oh, basketball schedule dropped. Guess we got to talk about that now. Basketball's just going to steal the spotlight again somehow. Yeah, well, and talking about football, a recruiting hall this past weekend jumped the Terps 10 spots in the class rankings from 69 to 59. Jordan, tell us who they are. Well, first off, we got Jordan Houston, the most exciting one, in my opinion, from Flint Hill, Virginia, along with teammate Trey Rucker. He is an exciting running back, and we've seen some exciting running backs. Yes, we have, and I see a lot of Lolo Harrison in him. When looking at the film, the speed, the cuts, he's gone. In open space, this guy is a fantastic runner. But what I really like, there are so many guys that can just run through holes. But Jordan Houston is at that point in his career where he's got the vision. He's got the patience. He waits for his blocks to set, and then he hits the holes. That's what's to love about him. Also, on the receiving side, he can catch it, and he's good. I'm going to say it. I'm going to keep saying it. He's good in open space, and that is so important for the Matt Canada, DJ Durkin offense. Well, he is underrated, in my opinion. He's an all-purpose back, and he really is an all-purpose back. He can run, catch, he can carry the ball well. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him play some receiver at College Park. And he got some big-time offers. Virginia Tech, Michigan, Michigan State. I'll throw UNC in there. I I think even with all the guys we have, Anthony McFarlane, Javon Leak, Tavon Fleet, excuse me, Tavon Fleet Davis, you might see Jordan Houston start in a couple years. Yeah, I can see that happening. 5'9", 180, that's my only problem. Even though he looks like he's built out of muscle. Oh my god, he looks like the Hulk. I've never seen somebody with that much muscle on their body. I really don't think I have. The question is for me, why is he not a four-star? I I mean, other people are talking about this. Why is this man not a four-star? I think maybe because he's in public school and playing with a very talented organization, not organization, high school in Flint Hill. I think that kind of wraps it up for him, though. Because Todd Simmons, the next guy on the list, is um, he is committed to Maryland. We'll say that. Yeah, comes to Maryland as a preferred walk-on. That means no scholarship for him right now, right now. That's we'll get to that word. later. That's we'll get to that word. later. Offers from UConn and Boston College. On the film, just a flat-out baller. A guy that will make the plays for you when the team needed it. Can catch the ball, finds the ball in the air, makes the play. Not going to stun you with his speed. Not going to stun you with his big playability. But just know, when the ball gets in his area, he's really good at catching the football. So Todd Simmons from Avalon, the Avalon School, who is actually coached by Trayvon Diggs High School coach and a former coach of our high school, or my former high school, Tyree Spinner. He's got the pedigree there. So from what Todd Simmons said to Terrapin Times, this is what went down. Chris Beattie, the receiving coach, one of the recruiting coordinators for the team, 
said that we can't take any more receivers this cycle. We took six last cycle. We already took one this year. We can't take any more. But there's an opportunity, and I, I hope there was no promises made, but there's an opportunity, if you play well in practice, to earn a scholarship next year. I think that if he doesn't get a scholarship, he's probably gone. I don't know. The way he sounded committed to Maryland, I really like it. I think he's going to earn that scholarship. One of my favorite guys, he's right up there with Jordan Houston, is Trey Rucker. 55 tackles, 3 interceptions, 7 passes defended this past year. He was also first-team All-State. The film, he looks amazing. Reads the ball in the air and attacks it. That's what you want out of a safety. That's where he's going to be playing at Maryland. But even on his highlights when he was playing receiver, he would read the ball, get his face turned towards the ball, and then attack it and make the play. That's what I love out of my safety. He's also aggressive, great hitter. He's another one of these guys. I'm, I'm really questioning why Houston and Rucker aren't four stars. Because you're playing in public school, and it's much harder to gauge when you're playing against public school competition. Well, I think they do have chances this year, of course, with the opening and all these events, to make it to four stars before they actually sign the paper. It's possible, and if that happens, you have to start worrying about losing them to other schools. No, I don't worry. Well, I think you should be worrying. I don't worry with Rucker. I might a little bit with Houston, but not Rucker. There's a lot of space in that Maryland defensive backfield. I hope you're right. So, on the macro scale, which is my specialty, this is good news, but still not great news. We jumped from 69 to 59, as Mason said, putting us at 13th out of 14 in the Big Ten, only ahead of Rutgers, of course. Uh, it's We had really good success the last two years, and I'm worried that's because, it's only because we said you can play here as a freshman in the Big Ten. Yeah, of course, that you gotta, you gotta develop another pitch, but moving forward, you gotta, you gotta win. It's time to win. Yeah, you have to win now. And I understand we have great recruiting staff, seemingly at least, in Zabziza, Abdul Rahim, and the defensive backfield, and Chris Beatty as receivers coach. But you have to be able to recruit without saying you can play. That can't be the only pitch. And of course, winning helps. Well, you don't, you don't know that that was their only pitch. You know, these guys are really good. They did lose some pieces this year. The coaching staff. So, moving forward, you know, just gotta do better. We have two classes, and obviously this year was going to be slightly downhill, but it's time for this team to you know pick it up and keep recruiting. Yeah, and hopefully more we get. I think winning a winning season, which plays in what we're talking about next, really help. Next up on our only preview of the day, we got Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota ranked seventy third this in this year's Athlon Sports poll. Last year, five and seven season, the Terps did top the Gophers in Minneapolis, thirty one to twenty four. That was one of the that was our second to last win of the season, of course, with Indiana being the other win we had in the Big Ten. That was the only game I really thought Bordy played well. Yeah, I did think he played well. Ty Johnson also had an amazing game. But Minnesota this year, on the offensive side of the ball, it's similar. On the defensive side of the ball, also looking good. But if you'll let me say one thing before we actually get started here. <clears throat> Row the boat! Yeah, woo, row the boat. No, I really I really dislike the row the boat. But P.J. Fleck, of course, Minnesota head coach, outlook into this season on the offensive side of the ball. Last year, they averaged 22.1 points per game. This season, big concerns at quarterback. Redshirt freshman Tanner Morgan holds an edge going into this camp, but he's competing with freshman Zach Angstad. No, he's from Minnesota. It's Angstad. They're almost uh, German. 
Okay, and the start after Vic Viermont transferred, but he is now back, so he's in the mix this year after a year in junior college. Look at running back. This is their strong point. Rodney Smith will now be the feature back. And Jordan at receiver, who do they have? Well, they got um, Mr. Tyler Johnson, very close to Ty Johnson. But Tyler Johnson, all Big Ten candidate, and not much else. This offense looks like, frankly, a problem. Yeah, it's, it's going to struggle, but they got that big-time defense to hold it up. The defense, of course, was a strength last year, as it will be this year, holding opponents to 22.8 points per game. This unit is likely to be what Minnesota stands on this year, returning eight, eight starters, including safety Antoine Whitfield Jr., who really dominated Maryland, along with linebacker Thomas Barber. But... Of course, as always, you have to find replacements for guys like their big-time interior lineman, Steven Richardson. Look, Minnesota is still in transition somehow. I know this is the second year of P.J. Fleck, but they just have they have first-year problems still. They don't have a leader at quarterback. They lack receiving weapons. Their defense is good, but not good enough to carry them the whole way. This is I am more sure about this game than the Temple game. Oh, yeah, so am I. I mean, Temple's higher rated by 10 spots. I mean... Might be more than that, actually. I think it's 12. I think it's 12 spots. But for P.J. Fleck, you know, he brought in a good class to Minnesota. He's got a lot of positive things going for him. This year, it just might not work out. I think they're predicted around that 4-8, and 5-7 and seven mark. But, you know, things can change. They can find a quarterback. They can put it together. Oh, finding a quarterback is... If they find a quarterback, then locks the whole team. Because that means Rodney Smith, who's very talented isn't carrying the whole workload anymore, similar to Ty Johnson last year. So I think that if they get a quarterback and they can start throwing the ball down the field, they could become an 8-4 team overnight. Yeah, that, that is pretty much it. They, they will have a chance to become an 8-4 team if they can find a quarterback. But Maryland's winning this one. I will say that is true contingent on them finding, not finding a quarterback before week four. Well, I don't think they will. You know, we've been through this rodeo. Remember the, was it, what, Perry Hills, Dax Garman, and who was the other guy? I forgot Dax Garman existed. Oh, Caleb Rowe? Dax Garman. That's, uh, I don't even remember what he looks like or what number he wore. 18, and I do not know what he looks like. But moving on, we've seen this story before. It is probably most likely not going to work out. Well, it could or couldn't. Maybe they'll well, I mean, find their guy. Tanner Morgan is talented at quarterback for Minnesota. But they're not even saying that he's going to start week one, so who knows what's going to happen. But pretty much all you got to say is, right now it looks like Maryland's winning this game. I suppose so. That puts them at 3-1 and one in my poll, in my running total and 4-0 in Mason's. Looking hot at 4-0. and Let's get it. Excessive juice. Excessive juice. Uh, on the... Uh, before we wrap it up, I recommend you checking out the Redskins promotion video for Maryland, Texas, featuring Vernon Davis and Colt McCoy. It's an entertaining watch, to say the least. Well, we can probably do a replay of it right now. Maryland. Texas. Maryland. Texas. Yeah, it's literally, it's pretty much that. But it, it, it is still kind of cool to see, you know, people that play for the Redskins from both of these schools. Jordan, Maryland's been releasing a lot of stuff. They finally... Released all the changes they made on the uniforms this year today. That's, of course, on TerpTalk.com. And 
the hype video for Maryland this year, and Maryland hasn't released it. I found it on YouTube. It looks really good, and it's actually really entertaining to watch. I've heard, but I haven't actually watched it yet. Maybe I'll get to that this week. I think that kind of does it for this week. Yeah, that kind of does it. For all your Maryland news, check out TurpTalk.com. As always, we would like to thank our sponsors, Viner Fourgates. They built TurpTalk.com in the Crease Lacrosse and Talk Redskins. They can build a website just like that for you. And Watercrafters of Gaithersburg, Maryland. They've been servicing the Montgomery County area for the past 35 years. Make sure to check out their retail showroom for all your swimming pool needs. Jordan, any last words? I guess not. I get, go Terps, and hopefully we'll get some more recruits. Keep your eye out for basketball recruits, because we're seeing some posts under the radar these days. And for me, I'm saying football practices started. We're less than a month away from Texas. It's time to get it. Time to go. Maryland sports is back. Sort of. Hey, only like, I believe, 14, 15 days till the first event. And that I think it's a women's soccer game. But that will wrap it up for this week's episode of the Turp Talk Young Turfs podcast. As always, thanks for listening.